and welcome in to another episode of Facts Not Feelings with your host, Brooke Furnest. Each week, I sit down with experts in their respected fields as we discuss how we can move this wonderful automotive industry forward by differentiating facts from feelings. We dive into my guests' secrets to success and how they got to where they are today. All right, let's jump in. All right, everyone, welcome into another uh, awesome, fabulous episode of Facts Not Filling. And I am so, so, so honored to bring into the show David Long. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know David, I don't know if you maybe you've been living under a rock. I don't know where you've been. I think that David at this point, I think he's everywhere. I, I, he has the clubhouse room. He's on LinkedIn. I think he might own LinkedIn at this point. I'm not sure, but you might. But he is the executive general manager of uh, auto group Hansel out in Santa Rosa. He is the founder of All Things Used Cars. And if you also weren't living under rock, he's also started the founder of uh, Pandemic Positivity. Did I catch it all? I think that you've I, you've spoken about every conference out there. Did I miss anything at this point, David? I don't think so. I think you covered it. You sure? Are you sure? I, 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 may have, I, may have, I may have missed something because you're everywhere. It's like there's all these different things and you're just constantly full of life and hence the positivity, full of positive energy. I mean, the very first time I met you a while ago, but it was just this past conference at DMSC that we really were like able to connect and get to know each other a little bit better. But you are just so, like I said, full of just positive energy. It's just anyone that's around you is like, oh. Yeah, he just, you just want to be around you more just because you are so full. I'm going to repeat myself here, but just you attract other people because of your energy. So, yes. So, right. well, uh, yeah. Out there. My team really enjoyed your energy too. <laughs> well, you've got an incredible person with Stephanie on your team. So, very, very lucky to have her. She's an awesome human being for sure. Could not agree. For sure. For sure. I hope she's. <laughs> uh, Actually, the conversation earlier today about some some other uh, fun GLB stuff. So thank you very much for pointing me in the direction. I actually took your text and I was like, David said you're the smartest person in the office, the brains of the office. So uh, yes, very much. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you have so many uh, irons in the fire right now. Tell us a little about what's going on, what, where, you, how you got in this crazy industry, and a little bit more about yourself. So I think the most significant iron in the fire is the fact that I'm a, a dad and a grandfather and a husband. And, you know, that's the main iron. Uh, the, the other irons are like secondary, third, fourth, fifth irons. But so I'm the executive general manager of a multiple rooftops here in Santa Rosa, California. That's in Northern California. It's right outside of Napa. Absolutely gorgeous. And then I have a training consulting business and I've, helped open and start 58 buy centers from here to Brazil. I have a lot of fun with that. It's a passion of mine. It's a space in the industry where I think is underserved and very difficult code to crack. And uh, I happen to love the used car side of our business. So I started a podcast clubhouse room called All Things Used Cars. And it has hundreds of people in it every Friday morning. And I that's at 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're ever on Clubhouse, check out all things used cars. I think you'll get a lot of value. 
If you don't know how to find it, you can find it on LinkedIn under my profile or my Facebook or Instagram page. And then about two years ago, I started, I had this harebrained idea that there's so much negativity around the pandemic and it's a really heavy, sad, scary topic that uh, came up with a pandemic of positivity. You might see those yellow pucks and the bracelets and the hats and all the stuff about just trying to be a little bit more loving, kind, and compassionate with everybody you come in contact with. And that's kind of what I'm into right now. And I coach you sports from time to time. That's you, you got a few things going on, a few things, and it is true. Like, I mean, before you and I had officially met, I was seeing all the yellow bands everywhere, and you saw the yellow rings around everybody's you know social profile. And I was like, who started this? And I didn't know who you were at the time. I was like, I don't know who, but I just saw this difference. Like, what what the hell is this? Like, I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm like, I don't know what this is. And then you and I met, and I was like, Okay, this makes sense. It's a hundred percent who you are. It's your personality. You just exude all of that. So I just absolutely champion the fact that you have done this. You went full force with it, and it's what an incredible cause. Like especially in a time that pretty dark, pretty dark for the world. And you just said, "Hey, you know what? Let's take it a different direction. Why don't we find something positive in this? Why don't we find something good?" And it's just what an incredible thing to to have done. So just thank you for that. Really, really cool thing to do. Very, very cool thing to do. My pleasure. The team around that and the team that poured their their time into it uh, is incredible. So if you can go to www.pandemicofpositivity.com, you'll see the team about us. It's a pretty cool site. Yes, and I was just actually on there this uh, just recently before we hopped on this, just looking over that a little bit more and. I was just even looking at kind of Kyle and Scott and just even in that short time, how different they look in that short amount of time. I was like, man, it hasn't been that long, but we've, we've grown up a little bit here since in these last few years, a little bit here. So (laughs) weathered pandemic very well. (laughs) Well, no, just, you know, you still look very nice. Just about we've all matured a little bit in the, you know, three years that felt like a a decade in three years. So that's all. Yes. So talk a little bit more about you are when someone thinks used cars at this point, I think all of us think you. So how, how have you, without obviously giving out your trade secrets here, how have you said, Hey, I have found a secret sauce without giving the secret sauce away to all things used cars. I know that last week you kind of had a very great topic that needed to be discussed with a pricing and what have you, but you're able to just to kind of find, Hey, this is how we can buy cars. This is how we can market cars and move cars. And, and look in the future and and buy them and then also you know move them off our lot so they're not burning a hole in our wallet and on our on our lot as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't I'll always give the secret sauce away. There are no secrets. I tell everybody everything at any time. Um, and I'll tell you where that came from. So about I don't know it's almost a decade ago now, maybe eight years ago, uh, I knew nothing about used cars and <clears throat> I really wanted to know, but I had this sort of insecurity and this feeling of I'm never going to be able to maximize my full potential in the auto vertical if I don't really lean in and understand used cars. And here's what happened. I met a gentleman by the name of Shondell Grand that owns DGDG out here in the Bay Area, one of the best dealer groups on the planet. Not quite as good as yeah. the Anthill group, but <laughs> close so second. I close second for sure uh, from the culture side, from the <laughs> side, from the kindness side. So we were just shooting the crap in his office, and, and um, he said, hey, you know, and I wasn't doing anything. I was 
kind of being a free agent, doing my consulting thing. And he said, why don't you be my used car director? And I'm like, I don't know. I, uh, I really don't know anything about used cars. And he's like, that's okay. We'll figure it out. And um, I said, okay, I'll be your used car director for 16 rooftops at the time. <laughs> now, can you imagine a general manager having me not know anything about used cars, go try to tell him that I'm the new used car director or her? So I, I hitched my wagon to Dale Pollock, and um, and Dale became my mentor. Dale taught me an awful lot. And then I found people like Jason Rice and Diego Vargas, and and those guys just sort of circled me like a tribe. They just got around me, and they just brought me up, wouldn't let me fail, helped me every time I made a move. Like, don't do that, try this. Don't do this, try that. And that was my Petri dish for six years. To really not only figure out used cars, but figure out how to open buy centers. Uh, and that's where my whole career really just exploded. And it was the result of Sean Bell Grant saying, hey, be my used car director, even though you don't know anything. Jeez, that's incredible. Well, way, I don't think I've ever heard that story. We went from selling 300 cars a month with 600 in stock to selling 1,000 a month with 800 in stock. And what? Yeah, come on, how do you sell? How do you get a thousand cars sold out of an 800 car inventory? Yeah, we did it month in and month out. And Dale Pollock, these are his words, not mine, said we were arguably the best used car. Um, he said me, but I, I hate to say me, arguably the best used car operator in the nation. And that was my best compliment I've ever received. So there you go. Yeah, buddy. Man, so that's that's pretty impressive there. Pretty damn impressive. So we're in a weird market right now. So where do you see the state of automobile with new and used? Do you, I mean, at some point it's going to level out, but where is level out? Is it, I don't know if it's ever going to go back to the way it was. Where is middle ground? Where is that pendulum swinging? Super interesting. And it's all the reason why structure, discipline, and consistency will always win the day. Right, no matter what's happening, what's happening now, people say, "How are you getting by?" This is the best thing that ever happened, in my opinion, to our industry. I think it level set everything. I think it um, put us in a position to make the kind of profits that we deserve as dealers for working as hard and having as much exposure and liability. I think, like we're here. How long this is going to last, I don't know. But when I have like Jonathan Smoke the chief economist for Cox Automotive, come on my show. He seems to think, based on what he's indicated, uh, 24, 36 months-ish, which I would love that long of a run. I would absolutely love it. Now, having said that, I'm completely prepared for the bottom to fall out tomorrow. And if it does, guess what? All my ducks are in a row, everything's tight, and we will be okay no matter what happens. I feel good about that. I think that, like you, you key part that you just said that there, whether it's tomorrow or in 36 months, you are prepared. It's uh, there are too many times that you talk to someone, doesn't matter if it's in our industry or in the health field. It's, I, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? How have you not pre prepared for tomorrow, let alone a year from now? Whether the profits are phenomenal or they suck, you've got to be prepared for looking into the future always looking into the future like yes learn from yesterday learn from today you've got to be prepared for tomorrow it's 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 so insanely important so kudos to that because yes it, 
What is happening right now is very unprecedented. But eventually, if we've learned anything from this industry, is eventually it's going to swing back. It always swings back. Whatever that it may be. Not sure what that's going to be, but at some point it will. And whatever that I, I don't I don't know if we'll, I don't think we'll ever go back to where it was. I don't think that the I just don't think it'll, but it'll be somewhere in the middle, whatever the middle that may be. I don't I just don't know what the middle is going to be. But right. you're the right? It'll it'll continue mm -hmm. to ebb and flow, and and that that's really what excites me the most. Mm hmm. Well, I mean, you look at you look at 2008, even where you know everything crashed, and then eventually it's good. It swung back, and things leveled out. I mean, things always our industry. You saw. I mean, even during 2020, you, you saw all these ups and downs and up and downs. But you saw everyone buy all these cars, and it was like, okay, calm down. Things will level out, and they did, and that was spiked again. But that's just what our industry does, and we we always ride the wave. On the flip side. We're not so much in the used car, but what are you seeing from a fixed op side? I know this is kind of a change of directions, but because so many new cars are not being, less new cars are being sold, what are you seeing from your fixed op department? You know, that's interesting because here in Northern California, especially, not only are less used new cars being sold, but many of them are electric. Mm. But, um, we have a unique uh, situation here in Northern California where we really have to get good at the basics. We have to get good around the wheel. We have to get good around customer service. We have to get good on thinking outside the box with pickup and delivery. I mean, there's so many different things and different threats. I don't know. You've seen some of the guys talk about and gals, the barbarians are at the gate. Well, they're not just at the service and parts and collision center gate. They're at the future of automotive as it relates to how many cars we're going to have to resell in two years. And, three, yes. and cars coming off a lease and cars that are electric. So, uh, this is not going to be for the faint of heart, Brooke. I really think that no. what's about to happen is going to shake out the pretenders. I agree. Well, I, I was actually having a, a discussion with Ted Ings earlier. I think it was today. or yeah, I talked to him today, but I think we have a discussion yesterday about this, that when, when Illumina was really you know right, coming right on the scene, I was actually working with my younger brother in the collision industry. We had a software company. And aluminum first came on the scene, it cost a ton more for everyone to become certified in it. You had to have all this new equipment and it just caused a, t a lot of money, but no one was charging more for it. So body shots were just eating that cost. And at the time, you know, we were, you know, as we were just saying, Hey, why you've, you've got, you have to increase your rates for this. So for electric, my question was, well, shouldn't we be doing the same because 75% of electric vehicles are going to independent shops and they're not coming to dealerships. So, I, I, I haven't seen the data on this and I don't think that, I think it's so new that there isn't data on this, that if the, of all that 75, if we're only taking 25% of that 75% is going to independent shops. Are they charging more for that? Because it's going to cost, we're all, all going to have to get certified and blah, blah, blah. Are we going to have to increase our rates for that? Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I don't see the independence being as big of a threat on the electric off the bat because uh, most cars that are being sold today are under warranty and the amount of equipment that I've had to buy for all of my rooftops to support the aftermarket and after sales side of my business, I don't know there's a lot of independents that are going to make that financial investment, at least not initially. So I feel pretty good about our ability to retain our EV customer. Okay, that's good. That's good. And you and I are talking about tire cells when we were uh, at DMSC as well, like tracking tire cells. And that your first thing was like, you, I believe you said, yes, I track tire cells. Every just day. because that is, 
that's so, so big because that is the first that is your first sign that our customer is defecting from us. If you're not tracking tire sales as a, as a dealership, not just a service manager, but as a owner, as a GM, as an EM, you are missing the boat because as soon as you, as soon as your consumer jumps off and says, I am not buying tires from you, you've lost that customer. Yep. No, and you don't get it back. So you're not getting back tire sales every day by every rooftop, every service department and every person in that service department. So, um, and you know, oddly enough, the minute we started tracking Correct. Correct. Nobody wants to be on the bottom of that totem pole. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, the engagement goes way up. You know, if they if they have their average RO is three to five year old cars with thirty to fifty thousand miles, and they're not selling tires, you know they're not doing the job. And nobody wants to show up to not do the job, right? Everybody wants to be no. good at what they do. Yeah. All of a sudden, wait a second. I I don't. That whole being a red thing, it's amazing how people don't want to be in the red. Like, it doesn't matter what it, it can be some, you know, BS stat. Like, that means absolutely nothing, but no one wants to be in red. So, oh, I don't, I don't want to be in red. I don't want to be in red. So, it, it quickly, it motivates people real quick, like. You know, everybody walks around here talking about go for the green, go for the green, go for the green. That's just part of our culture. Yep. You want to be yep. green? 100%. 100%. So, I mean, so, you know, we've got the used cars, we've got the fixed ops. Where else do you see with the state of automotive where we've talked about the used cars? In general, we've got not just the car portion of it, but we have, we have the culture port. And I, I, culture is such a buzzword, but you guys have done such an incredible job. And we actually talked about it earlier with, with Lori a little bit, just how you guys have find it, found out a way. It's not like it's some hidden secret. You, you treat people well, first off. But you guys have done such a great job with finding, hey, we are going to do this here and we've retained our people well. So I guess, and especially now it, it's so important. How have you guys found, you know, continue to do that. And, and I guess speak to that a little bit. I just completely slaughtered what I'm trying to say there, but talk about no, that a little bit. I'm sure if I, if I understood what you were saying and I'm not, because <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> I think the culture piece is the biggest part of what we do today. And um, my firm belief is if we stop at the front door and we just and we only focus on how we can have our people become more efficient and effective at work I think we have one-dimensional teams so like you're invited every Wednesday at 3 p.m and it is way more than how to get sell more tires and service more cars and sell more finance it, it's none of that actually it's all about how do you become a better human? How do you take better care of yourself? How do you love more? How do you care more? Uh, how do you feel better about who you are, how you show up as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a son, as a daughter? Um, and we do that every Wednesday. And then we have, uh, I have a, a personal development coach that comes in for a full week every single month. And that's all he does is work on personal development with the teams. So I think that's where culture starts. I, I'm trying to think of how many, uh, I won't even say dealerships, it's how many businesses do what that last thing you said that bring in personal development coaches or, you know, the, the training portion that is so big is um, I've told the story before where I was working with a dealer group and we went through and we went through, you know, there's facts, not feelings. And we went through the factual part and said, okay, here are the metrics of X, Y, Z 
your ad agency is doing a great job of getting the ad to and everything, the copy, everything is, is spot on. Once it gets into dealership land, it's falling and it's failing right on, you know, it's falling on its face and it's failing. And Mr. And Mrs. Owner just said, nope, it's not the case. And I guess so I'm okay. So I, I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to reward this different. But you know, there's gotta be something here. So I, re, I, I do the rewarding of it thinking I just, okay, I just did something wrong here. So I reward it. I was like, okay, so da, 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 da. And once again, I got, that can't be it. All right. I just finally said, okay, I don't know what you want me to, what you want me to say. At this point, it's a process issue. It's, you can't throw money at this. It's a training issue. It's an internal issue. And that's just one of those things that like, if you stop looking at, at some buying another tool, buying something else, this is internal. You've got to look at, if you need to spend money, it's spending money internally for more training, not at buying some new shiny tool. So it's, it's really big on this, on this process and development and, but how many people don't do this? And it's, it's across the board on, on so many different companies, so many different companies. So thank you for that. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Like today's topic, we have a, a MBA PhD coming in to talk to us about tiny habits, like, and how, how these micro habits can change your life personally, professionally, relationships, spiritually, Whatever it is that you feel like you want to improve or you know you need to improve, that's that's what you're going to hear today at 3 o'clock. And everybody in your listening audience is more than welcome. It happens every single Wednesday with a different speaker. That's phenomenal. That's, once again, seeing the bigger picture, knowing that whether it's now, learning from yesterday to now to future, that this is this is different than anybody else is doing. I remember Scott Risley had, he posted something. I mean, Mohawk is, you know, obviously they do a great job, whatever, but they brought in, uh, I think it was Timus Grover that, you know, he's works with Michael Jordan and, um, ah, shout out right there <laughs> on cue. <laughs> From Scott. Very nice. Very, very nice. But yeah, I mean, things like that, there's like, this is why people are going to flock. Uh, Patrick over at a, a, a Beaver Toyota that, I mean, we, we heard it there that people were uprooting their lives to go work at a dealership to, to be a part of that community to say, Hey, you do such a good job with personal development, with making us feel at home and champion us. And there's, that's the stuff that's, that's the stuff that once again, going back to your original statement is saying of all the irons in the, uh, the fire, the ones that are most important are my family, are my grandkids, are my are my kids. Those are the things that matter. And yeah. it, 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 all the other stuff at the end of the day is they're great and they're fantastic, but those are the things that really matter. You so know, I, I totally agree. Uh, to give Patrick a little more credit from Beaver Toyota, he had over 50 people move from Wesley Chapel, Florida, all the yeah. way up to Georgia or some crazy thing. Just to follow him based on how he cared for them while he worked with them in Florida. Like who moves their whole family? Fifty people move their whole family to go be close to Scott Abad. That that is a good testimony. I I can't like I've I've moved a lot in my life and they've all been for jobs. But it was like, hey, I'm relocating because my company's forcing me to go somewhere, not because I'm choosing to go move across country to be like, that's, I just, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't work for Patrick. That was a problem. I'm like, but, it's, but once you meet Patrick, you're like, this guy is incredible. He is such an incredible human being. So totally get it. Once you get, once you meet the individual. So, but those are the, those are the things, once again, 
it doesn't matter what industry it is, when you are breeding leaders and you're saying, hey, this, it, it just goes back to finding the, uh, finding the, you know, it, the, per, the specialness in that person and saying, I'm going to make you better. As I, as you become better, I become better. And, and I know that's exactly what you're doing there at Hansel as well. And it's just, it's, it's really cool to see. And I, I'm, I'm glad I, I get to be a part of it, even from a large distance back in Chicago. So it's, it's very fun to see. Very, very fun to see. I'm part of it. Yes. Yes, very much so. All right. I so appreciate the time that we've had to like talk and catch up and just to get know more about you. A couple of things that I ask every single person that comes on the show. It's a little bit of lightning round questions. So my first and foremost question is, are you ready for it? That's the first question. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I think you kind of answered this a little bit, but I, I do want to circle back. Is where, can, where can our followers find you if they want to follow you and listen to you and see your face? Hmm, not sure they'd want to see my face, but... Uh, well, maybe they do. I don't know. Speaking of face, Facebook, Instagram, ah. MySpace. No, I'm kidding about that. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn, PandemicPositivity.com, Clubhouse. Um, and they can call. I mean, I'm easy to find. Super easy to okay. find. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And as always, we'll have it in the show notes with this. Everyone can just click on the show notes before uh, below. So I'll be in there. And then... Outside of work, what is your favorite thing to do outside of work? So I only have – I don't have any ha- hobbies, really. I'm traveling with my kids, and I'm watching them perform what they love to do. Like, I'm always – every weekend now, I'm out of town somewhere. I was in Vegas last weekend. I was in L.A. the weekend before. And uh, my son plays basketball, so I travel, and, uh, and I participate in supporting him. And his and him living his dream. That's awesome. So basketball, and then what else did they do? And then yeah, they, oh oh, here we go. There we go. Yes. Can you see it? Ah, that is oh, that's pretty. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Very that's cool. Shambo and my daughter Ashley. So Jeez. that's a fun sport. Um, and that's what we do. We just travel around and love and support our kids. That is awesome. Very, very cool. Okay, so with the traveling, do you've got you have a favorite vacation spot, or if you had like a one, a you know, a ticket somewhere, where are you going? Anywhere where there's water, where I can be in the water. Maybe I have a scuba gear on, but not a whole lot of clothes. Just pair of swim trunks, scuba gear, and just enjoying the water. I just love any kind of water sport there is. I, I hear you on that one. I am a beach baby, so I 100% agree on that one. Good choice. Good choice. If you, if you didn't, I'd probably have to, you know, maybe lie to you. But I think you and I know well, well each other enough. I'd be like, no, that's that's a, that's a crappy decision. But I will tell you that's a good decision. So. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. So what's the biggest thing? And it can be personal or it can be day-to-day, but you're finding that you have to distinguish between facts and feelings. Oh, that's a great question. Have you seen what w- I do? Have you read the book WTF? No, I haven't. I need to read that book. So, for those listeners right now that are thinking I'm swearing, WTF is not what you think. It is work the facts. WTF yes. work the facts. So, the problem with working the facts is the facts aren't always the facts. And here's what I mean by that a lot of times, facts in our vertical are indicators, and there's sub-facts that kind of debunk 
the initial fact. And most people will never get to the sub facts. They'll stay on the surface level facts and they'll jump to conclusions based on the information they've received. So when I think about the facts in our vertical, most people are like, what are you talking about? I really see when I'm, I'll use inventory, for instance, when I'm dialing into my inventory and I'm looking at what I what appears to be the facts, there's always a story behind the facts that supports the fact or debunks the fact. Does that make sense to you? Oh, 100%. It's being able to interpret, you got to be able to interpret the data. Correct. And what you see is not always what there is. And no. I have a buddy, Diego, always says, all there is is all I see. Well, sometimes you have to look in different places. I'll give you an example. Yeah. There's an extra yeah. of information that you'd receive if you were doing your stocking plan um, in your inventory in Viata. Like, I don't want to just stock everything I've always stocked because then no. I'll sell what I've always sold and it'll be this sort of vicious circle. So there's mm -hmm. facts outside of the facts that always have to be considered. And then the trick is where do you get the facts and how do you substantiate the facts? And that's what I love. For me, that's the chess game that gets me up in the morning and gets me just fired up with enthusiasm. It's like a, a hound dog trying to find a trail. You know, I get on a trail and I try to get there and I sniff it out and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I was heading for it. I'll be like, no, look where I wound up. And it's just so freaking cool. Well, I think it's also you go back to standardizing it because you can have, uh, I'll take, um, got to think how careful I phrase this. So you can have one set of data mat matrix metrics and then another set and another set. And they've all got to be going in the same direction. But if you got one that goes in completely opposite direction and you just look at that one, you're like, oh shit, this was going this one, but all the other ones are going this one. That's why you got to standardize it and look, okay, okay, this is telling a story, but this is going the other direction. Why? And then be able to interpret that and make it into an actionable item because exactly what you say, because if you're looking at just this one and you look at nothing else, that's a problem. In a couple weeks, I'm going to bring on, I'm bringing on uh, some guests who I have always looked at one set and then I bring on another, not just one, the other set. And he goes, Hey, did you ever know about X, Y, Z? I go, what are you talking about? And it was just like, my mind just goes, Bleh. I go, what? I've never seen that. And we, I go, I, I can't spoil the surprise because it's, I can't, I'm not going to take credit for it because he's the one that told me about it. So, it, but once again, it's just diving into a layer and, and the onion layers, right? Just this and this and this, and you can get lost in the, in the weeds. But once again, are you actually looking at the true data of it and un, unearthing all of it? So yes, I agree. I think for the most part, we look for the data that supports our belief. Um, yes. And then when we find that and it supports what we thought, that's where we go. And we never peel that onion back far enough to find the whole truth because we're not looking for the truth. We're looking for evidence to support our paradigm. Yes. I think it was Glenn Pash that said this. And if it wasn't Glenn, I'm giving you credit for it. So there you go. But he goes, what he would do sometimes, it was he would cover up the name of whatever report, let's say it was a BDC report or whatever report, he would cover up the name of the person. And that way he would look at it because you have this unconscious bias to be like, oh, well, that's Brooke. She's going to suck at this. And yeah. so you'd automatically just assume that Brooke's going to suck at answering the calls or suck at answering whatever. And so automatically you look at that and you just assume that's what it's going to be. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's a great, that's a great idea because we're human. So you're human to judge. Even when you're like, I don't judge people. I don't do that. That's my voice of someone not judging. 
but that's what, <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Glenn, that's not your voice. That's not your voice, Glenn. Uh, that's Brooke's voice. <laughs> but it's a, I mean, it's the same thing is that you're looking at a data point and all of a sudden you're like, well, no, Brooke sucks. So I'm going to find something that, that proves that Brooke sucks. Well, yep. That's you know? the Pygmalion effect, by the way. It, it's defined as the Pygmalion effect. Yes. Yep. So, yeah, totally agree. So that's why <clears throat> when I think about work, the facts, when I think about uh, what you represent to me and how you talk about really making sure that the data is right, I think about that all the time. Is Because it would be easy from my position to see something and jump to conclusions. Like my owner, greatest guy on the planet. I love him. Like this is my 36th, almost 37th year doing this. I've never had an owner that was as dialed in and is just on top of everything as he is. But he'll see something that'll be an indicator and he'll be like, ah, what's not, he doesn't get upset. But he's like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Well, behind that, there's so much, there's so much more to the story. So for me, especially if he's watching this, <laughs> take it easy, consider all the different data points, gather everything before we go pop my head off and figure out really the whole story. There's always a whole story. And there is, and it's just like you're taking one subset of the entire pie. So let's look at, you got to look at the whole picture. Instead, you've got like this one little portion of it. So no, I, I 100% agree on that. Yes, it's a yeah. very well, good one to, to choose. Yeah, all stores were up over uh, 6 to 28 or 30% last month. So, but let's say that one was down. It'd be, it'd be an indicator for somebody to say, well, gosh, darn it, you're, you know, you're off track. You're not doing it right. Well, hold on a second. Last year, we had 200 cars in stock. This year, we have 28. Of course, we're going to be off, right? Yes. So there's always more to the story if you're willing to take a look at it. Well, yeah, and that just that catapults into even metrics in general. I mean, if you're looking month to month or year over year, I mean, that's, we really shouldn't be doing that anymore because you look over over year over year, we didn't have cars. Like, we don't have cars now. And you're looking over cars that you had tons of last year so. That's a whole other thing. And yeah, it's that's a whole other conversation, but it goes to the point of what are you measuring? I mean, are you really going to look at that? I was talking to someone about OTT and display and whatever, and I go, to get what you got in 2020 versus 21 versus now, the amount you have to spend to get that same bang for your buck is completely different. So if you're trying to measure that, just understand it, it's got, you're not getting the same, it's not really true data. Like you can look at it, but it just, understand what you're trying to measure. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. What would you say as a, sorry, I, I was going to read the exact same question I just asked you. And although it was a very good question, we're not going to ask it again. So uh, as a disruptor in the industry, what is the hardest or best lesson that you've learned? Um, the hardest or best lesson I've ever learned um, that you can succeed with being abundantly kind and patient you don't always have to be have your hair on fire and be a Tasmanian devil. I like it. I didn't know that early in my career. I thought that only the ones that were just ferociously focused, not that you don't have to be focused, but I believe you can get it with kindness, compassion, and love. And back then I thought I had to iron fist it. Everything was a nail, so I was a hammer, and it just is not so. I agree. 
yeah, it's a, it's taken me a bit to, you know, you find different lessons you move on, move about in this industry. And it's like, Oh, okay. I thought I had to do this. And I, I died. You don't, I mean, you can, but you, you don't need to. So, yeah. What is your favorite car? So one, most people in my, it's funny because I tell people this, they're like, what are you talking about? I'm not into cars. Like I, I've been doing this for a long time. I don't have any special cars. I don't have any collection of cars. But if I was going to buy a car and I was going to get excited, it'd be the Lamborghini. And I don't even know what it's called. The Lamborghini Sport Utility Deal. Like oh, I, oh, yeah. yeah. The first time, uh, Urus, I think. I don't know. First time I saw it, I was like, oh. Like yeah. if I was going to go out and buy a car, that would be the car. And because it's just cool. It's different. Tough looking. So that would it be is it. pretty. And I would get it in lime I, green. I, I, that seems to go along with the theme of Hansel. So I can see that. I can see that. Could be like your, it could be like the mascot car. I like it. I like it. Hey, you know what? Maybe I can get the company to pay for it. That's a great idea. I, I think you need to take it back. Go with it. See, if, see what happens. What's the worst they say now? The hood and I can write it off. That's <laughs> it's a write off. It's a write off. <laughs> you don't know what a write off is. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you, I know you read a lot of books. Oh, at least I think you read. I, I guess you do. You read, you held a book. So I think you read. Maybe it's just for show. I don't know, but I think you do. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote. Can I just tell you what my yes. favorite book is? Can you make it easy? Favorite book. Yeah, favorite book. Favorite book. Where so favorite A Better book? World, A Better You by Lou Tice. Well, Better You. Okay. okay. And then I, I nice. love. Uh, Dr. Dyer's books. I love his. Um, of course, I'm a fan and a student of Tony Robbins. And mm. as a, a favorite quote, it'd probably be one that I made. So it's a David original. Oh, this and is going to be a good one. Everyone, get your pens ready. Get them ready right now. I think of. I got several <laughs> that I've that I thought were cool that I created. But patience is something I admire, but very seldom desire. I admire, but rarely desired. Yep. I like it. There are people that have patience. I just don't have it. So it's a, something I admire. I just don't have it. You have some. You've got some patience. I do. You've got more. Yeah. I, I, you've got more than most, I would say. From the, I, it's not well, like you're completely lacking patience. It relates to results. Like I could have a team. Oh, 15, 13-year-olds not listening to me on the baseball field or a basketball court and have tremendous love and patience. But results, I don't have a lot of patience for results. We need them. I mean, we need to execute at a really high level. Okay. That's, that's different. That's different. Um, we'll end with what's, what's some advice you'd give your younger self? Be kind. Just okay. be like, You don't have that's, to be... Yeah. Less than kind to receive yeah. above average results. I so that's pretty much how I sign off all these shows. So I 100% agree. That's I, I exactly how I was raised is that you you find you can always find a way to serve and you can always find a way to be kind to someone. It takes nothing to be kind to another human being. Nothing. It's mm-hmm. so 100% agree with that one. Uh, it has been such a pleasure to catch up with you and to pick your brain for a minute. And anyone, if you have a chance, 
first off, make a chance. That's that. That's my advice to you. Make a chance. Listen to this man. He is a wealth of knowledge, and you're always going to learn learn something from him. Listen to go get on the clubhouse. I know that means you're going to miss my show, but mine's on demand, so you can watch mine later. So go go listen to him on Friday. Get on Clubhouse. Go listen on Wednesday to him and listen to him. He's Like I said, he look at him. He's a brilliant man. Go listen to him, please. And with that, thank you as always. I know you have a chance, you have a choice to listen and to go watch whatever you want to go watch. And I so appreciate everyone for tuning in. And as always, find a way to serve. Go help your neighbor. Open a door for someone. It takes, as always, it takes nothing to be kind to another human being. Find a way to serve. Find the joy in yourself so you can be a joy for someone else. And as always, everyone, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing everyone next week. Thank you and have a wonderful weekend. You've been listening to Facts Not Feelings with Brooke Furness. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a rating. If you know a friend or a colleague will benefit from today's episode, share it with them. Until next week, find a way to serve someone. Find a way to help your neighbor. Remember, we are all in this together.